Hello again, everyone. This is Dan Duva. It's SLGND, the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, presented by the D Hotel. The homestand started great for the Knights. Four wins, including a thriller against St. Louis. Trending in the wrong direction, though, losing the last two, falling behind by three to Pittsburgh, by four to Los Angeles. We try to diagnose the Golden Knights' play of late. We also talk about Max Pacioretty earning his first All-Star selection, 20 goals on the year. And how does he fit into the MVP discussion for the Golden Knights? We've also got your mailbag questions, overtime strategies, lineup discussions, broadcast behind the scenes, and much more. It's SLGND, the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, presented by the D Hotel. And now, here's Dave! Always my favorite part of the podcast is the intro by Dan Dula. I think we should rate them. I think we should. That was pretty good. That was a uh, one to ten. I'd say seven ish. Seven. <laughs> uh, last He's been was, busy. Last, last week was really good. Last week. Last, last week time. had some uh, off the charts. Had some residents and it yeah. had some hot. Yeah. This what one, didn't that this was more, one have? This one was a little hollow. Hollow. Yeah. Oh yeah. no. Yeah, it wasn't. Uh, Usually he's Ed McManus. Break the microphone. Introducing Johnny Carson. Now here's Johnny. No, it's, it's well, it's Dave Gosher, yeah. Johnny Carson, yeah. same category. Yeah, well, not a chance. At least you get the name right. So if you're I, like, I give you five points just for the name. <laughs> well, here's the thing too. So if you're hearing an unfamiliar voice yeah. in the podcast, who's uh, decided to fill in? Well, actually, he he didn't decide. We decided for him. <laughs> I can't believe he's spoken before he was asked to speak. Darren like, Millard, by of, the way. That's you know, who just we're referring to. Just jumped in. It's a bit of a personal trait of mine. Yes. <laughs> Not his first appearance on the podcast. No, though. no. He's been... Um, how many How many did we let you come on before? One. One. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> as a guest. I wouldn't yes. get too comfortable. This will be... I was, late for, I was late for that one, too. Yeah, you were late for this Because I was flying too. in. <laughs> no, so this, someone this said time before I just got you lost. up, this will be the last time we invite Darren Millard on <laughs> we, the uh, You got a pass because it was... Uh, you were flying in. This time here was... Uh, it just purely got lost. It, I don't know what you were doing. What was roaming around. nice. No. The commentary... Before you arrived, no, no, nor should it, was, it be. It was uh, PG'd up slash R rated. Oh no! So the Sheriff Lawless, some guy named Dave podcast, coming to you from the Great D Hotel, the official downtown downtown hotel, the Vegas Golden Knights. Table for four, corner booth, the Andiamo Restaurant, terrific steakhouse. Minus the Sheriff, Sauce Sheriff, Sons Sheriff, Darren Millard, extraordinaire from AT and T Sportsnet hosting duties, and busy last weekend called forty five college hockey games. <laughs> Over the, or 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 three, did you call three? Call three, three out of four of the Fortress Invitation. <laughs> By the end of Six it, I overtimes. knew a couple of names. <laughs> yeah, it was overtime. Jack Dugan, the VGK pick. That was and fun. wasn't there another VGK uh, uh, property kid? Late Mayhack? Yes, okay. Who's he play for? Ohio State. Okay. The you, Ohio State. The Ohio State. Providence College from the Ocean State, the God's Country, Ocean State, won the tournament, by the way. You guys have very tough jobs. You were there. You and Dan. I know. Calling games. I I think <laughs> Those you, names? Gary, Shane, stamp it up. You can just stamp it up. Yeah. And people would know the difference. Roll There's a lot of uh, along the boards across right. the line, and they clear. Yeah, That's a lot of, of that. And they clear it. So that's good. She had fun with that. That was great. It was okay, awesome. Okay, good. Well, so that was a Fortress Invitational. Uh, Love that college hockey. Yeah, it was terrific. Yeah, yeah. It was terrific. Had a good Gary trial. refused to take part. Gary wouldn't take part. Dan and I didn't even think about it. <laughs> <laughs> we we're not asked. Nor, we did not ask. Nor were we invited. But uh, <laughs> but in any event, here are the Golden Knights. Six down, one to go on the homestand, and it started off guys well enough. They win the first four, and the last two not so much. Losses to Pittsburgh, and then last night. To the L.A. Kings, and there's been a kind of a disturbing trend, obviously. Lately, the first periods and the starts have not been good. Uh, they've allowed 12 first-period goals 
in their last five games in the first period, down 3 nothing to the Blues. Great rally to win it. First time they'd ever won, right, when, when trailing by three. Uh, they win in overtime to knock off the Stanley Cup champs. They go the same road, down the same road with the Penguins, get it to 3-2. It's as close as they're going to get. And then last night, they're down 4 nothing after one to the L.A. Kings. So we'll ask the guest to the podcast. What do you make of these uh, starts here lately for the VGK, Mallard? You know, it, what's really weird is it's not necessarily the first periods, but little chunks in the first period. Because I'll, I'll go to the the game last night in particular. They were fine for the first 10 minutes. They were 9-4 were shots in favor of the, the Vegas Golden Knights. They, they were pushing the pace, not as much as we saw in the second and third, but they were they were good. And then something happened. Uh, St. Louis was probably their worst first period of them all. And they came back and won that game. Pittsburgh, I thought there was some good uh, exchanges in the first period. So I, they're not going out and, and falling behind 3 nothing in the first five minutes. They're getting into the game, but then there's this lull in the first period. And then the switch goes off. It's for the National Hockey League and the highest level of hockey. It's surreal to me how you can have such a Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, because their their overall performances in the game is better than good. They just dig themselves the hole. After last night, when they fell behind four nothing after one, do I have it right, Dan? Thirty six to five were the shots at, over the final two periods. Thirty five to five, thirty six to five. Let's put it this way: a lot to five. Or a lot to six. They tend to add shots a lot after hmm. periods and games. Yeah, I see some scribbling on my yeah, I can't uh, score read my own here. scribbles. They're, but they're season dominated low, the last two yeah, periods. 35 to... Five I, or six, yeah, something to, like that. Uh, five. Yeah. 35 to five, combining the second and third period. Correct. The season low for shots against in a period going into last night was three. They matched that in one period and beat it in another period yeah. and still lost the game. Yeah. yeah. Gave up two shots in the third period. The last of which was a goal by Adrian Kempe that you don't see every night. Right off the draw, shot it at the net. Unfortunately, Malcolm Subban wasn't ready for it. Went between the pads, and that kind of put the, the icing on the cake for the Kings. When's the last time you saw that? Long time. Mario Lemieux? In my men's league. You guys tried all the time. <laughs> Never works. You know what no, I thought of after no. the fact, lawman? And it, it, I'm not smart enough to think of it in real time, obviously. In the old days, not that old, but over 25 Ish years ago, Adam Oates won a playoff game for the Boston Bruins mm. in overtime against the Buffalo Sabres at the old Boston Garden. Face-off, right side, obviously Oates a right-hand shot. Yeah. Fired the puck in the net, off the draw to win a playoff game. They thought he was going to pass it. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. Right? But anyway, yeah, I mean, what do you make of the homestand so far? Four and two lawmen with it wrapping up tomorrow night against Columbus. Well, they really should be three and three. Like, the fact that they came back to beat St. Louis is... Uh, it's a great story, but you fall back three three nothing. You really don't deserve to win that game. There, the, the uh, Darren kind of describes it in an interesting fashion, in that there are you know good chunks. But w- what kind of is really distressing to me is the, the goaltending has been mediocre and at times poor for the last uh, the last three games for sure, and they. There's a trend where they give up a goal and they quickly give up another, and they sag as a team. And, uh, you know, when Subban gave up the fifth goal last night, they showed the bench, and there were a number of guys hanging their heads at that point in time. And um, poor goaltending can really drag. It can be really draining 
on a team. You work really hard for opportunities. And if you're not scoring and then the other team is, you know, flying down the ice and getting one bang just like that, it's it really deflates a group. So um, there's a little bit of chicken and egg going on here. They've got to figure out what they're doing in the net. In the net. And we're going to give Marc-Andre Fleury uh, every pass in the world. It's clear that he's going through, he's grieving his father, he's mourning the death of a parent, and that's uh, every every person on the planet deals with that in their own time and in their own their own pace. Uh, they need Malcolm Subban to really step up and help them right now, and he did when Fleury took his, his sabbatical. Just to unpack Subban for a minute, his job is to play every sixth game. You gotta have the right mentality for that. And we watched Jack Campbell last night, who battled all night long. Campbell's mindset for the Kings last night was I haven't played in a while, so maybe I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna have my skills are not gonna be as sharp as they would be if I'd played two or three times already this week. So I gotta fight. And I gotta make sure that if there's a screen, I'm fighting through that screen. I've gotta get my mind on the puck and and be as present for the whole game, for every for every shift, every half a shift, all the time. I gotta be locked in because physically, my skills might not be there. And he was the first star by a mile. For me last night. So when you put your back up in and you get that kind of performance, uh, that that's really good for a team. On the other side of the coin, you know, the fifth goal is a goal that Malcolm Subban just isn't ready for. He's not ready for the shot. He's standing there and he is not prepared for for what is about to happen. No, the goal didn't matter. It but mattered a lot to me. It, the goal didn't matter, but for a goal that didn't matter. I think it carried a lot of weight. Is that fair? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Good way. Well, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I used to I be mean. a columnist, and I drove home last night. I got to be careful here. <laughs> I drove home last night, and I thought to myself, my lead might have been. That fifth goal didn't mean anything, but it might have meant everything. Yeah. It, it, it t- tells a story. And uh, Malcolm Subban is very gifted. I don't think the Golden Knights are doing him any favors in the way they're using him, but that's the job. The job is, Marc-Andre Fleury is a Hall of Famer. He is going to play four or five. The fifth is going to be yours, and it might be the end of a back-to-back. It might be on the road. It might be whatever it is. You got to find a way to, that is the job. You got to figure out a way that when your name gets called, you go in there and give your team a chance to win. And that did not happen last night. And I'll give it to you this way. It's not only the goaltender. It is, uh, it is everybody up and down the lineup throughout an entire contest. And it is focus. And it happens to come in the final seconds of the game when you talk about that fifth goal. But there's another moment that startled me even more. Didn't lead to a goal. But Malcolm Subban at one point thought that the puck had been iced yeah. by the Kings. He stayed deep in his net, but just assumed it was an icing. It was never going to be an icing. Vegas had inadvertently put the puck out of its offensive zone, and players were going after it. Malcolm thought it was going to be an icing. Now, maybe he didn't see the play how it happened. Okay, 
That's why there are two linesmen. Yeah, yeah. One of the two would have his arm up yeah. in the air. I love that your arm's up in the air right now. <laughs> it's an Italian thing. Speaking, yeah, I mean, you know, speaking with the hands. sign right now. Yeah. That, so, so to me, like it, it is that didn't lead directly to a goal, and it was at a different point in the game where the Knights, of course, the the comeback was still on the table. Right. Yeah. And right. so, to me, it is a matter of focus. Tough and, game though, with with five shots in the last two periods. Like, well, we're right, and and, and it's and. Now, at the same time, like then, you know, early on, you know, the, the two goals that he gives up, Alec Martinez with his first goal, Ben Hutton's second goal, those are not defensemen who score many goals. And those were the two that, that, you know, in the scheme of things, and Gary, you said it on the broadcast, and I don't remember the last time, if ever, in two and a half years that you could say that the Golden Knights just needed a, a, a save. And you said the goalie is there because it's a game of mistakes and the goalie has to make a save. Because it is a game. What of was mistakes. his job last night? His job was get them out of the first period. Given yeah. what's happened lately, get them out of the first period. Yeah, down a goal. That that even that's fine. But get them out within reach. And the thing is now, Mel, and I don't. And look, so Mark Andre Fleury's given up four goals in each of his last three. Mm-hmm. Now he's he's they managed to win a couple of those, right? The Flyer game and yeah. the, and the St. Louis game. Uh, obviously not the Penguins game. Malcolm Subban's had two starts since the Christmas break. Not great in Anaheim, the first one, and then last night obviously had his struggles. And I'm not sure right now, as we sit here on the 10th of January, where do they go with it? You know, th- this is what they have. I I asked last night, and I'll ask it here because I don't have a feel for where's you know Oscar Dance played one game this year, wasn't good. Garrett Sparks, like is he? I, I'm not sure what they hey, do there. Why not throw? This is what they have right now. Put Malcolm Subban back in and say, this yeah. is it. Let's go. Well, we're giving you we're giving you a vote of confidence because Mark gets to play good or bad all the yeah. time. That's that's the luxury of a starter. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that, Darren, after the game myself. Because you know, if, if you if you hide Malcolm Subban, if you you know penalize him for having a, a poor start, well, when does he play next? Right. Well, then all of a sudden, whenever he does play next. He's in another difficult position because he hasn't played. All, all yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, just to play devil's advocate, that's the job. Oh, sure. Uh, oh, yeah. No, and and that's and that's why the point that you bring up. And Garrett Sparks has played NHL games. Oscar Dansk has only played a few. You know, it was in a heroic moment at the beginning of the Golden Knights franchise. He had the first shutout and all that. And you look at what's happened in the American League. You know, though Oscar didn't start great and Garrett did, it has swapped. Oscar Dansk has been terrific, and yeah, Garrett Sparks yeah. has been below average. I, is Oscar Dansk the answer? Is Garrett Sparks the answer? I, again, I I, I, Subban's the answer. If it, you're gonna, if Flurry's not gonna play, Subban's the answer. Yeah. I, Who I, are the four right. best teams in the NHL? So I was just looking at that, Gary. Washington, Boston, St. Louis, and the Islanders right, right so now, top four. Washington, Holtby, yeah. and Sam Sonoff. Yeah. Excellent. Boston, Rask and Halak, excellent. Who's next? St. Louis. St. Louis, Bennington, Bennington and Allen. Allen, very strong. Next? Islanders. They got two. Yeah. It's, it's, they, they alternate every game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Strict mm-hmm. down the middle. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and that's – and I'll even take it – you know, Pittsburgh's tied with the Islanders – Matt Murray is the backup. backup. Now. Yeah, Tristan Jari. Tristan Jari's taking the job. Dallas over. is on a roll. They've got two. Right. Yep. Look at the teams that have won the Stanley Cup. St. Louis last year, right. you know, they had uh, they had a combination. Yeah. Uh, Washington, Washington the year before, they used two guys in the playoffs. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, they used Flurry and Murray. Yep. You know, it, it's. Uh, and I guess the concern is Gary, and it, it's. Uh, 
I don't want to pile on this here. No. But this is not a new phenomenon. I mean, Malcolm had, had his struggles at times last year. Marc-Andre Fleury got injured late last season in March. Subban came in, was serviceable, I guess. And then, you know, to Gary's point, it's part of being a backup goalie. You've got yeah. to be able to come in and play once every four or five games yeah. and be ready and focused to play well. Yeah. He's never been a number one goalie at the professional level anywhere, be it in the American League or in the NHL. So unless and until that changes, this has to change, you know, right. which is he's you've got to be able to to rely on him more than more than they have been this year. I think uh, the Subban conversation is, is spills right into the first period issues. Team-wide, right? This, yeah, this is on the athletes. Do you have yourself prepared, yeah. whether it's the first period, or Subban perform, and it's step up. To, this is why you are here. This is why you've, grant, you've earned this opportunity for yourself. And tactically, there's not a lot of things that, that either Dave Pryor can put in or the coaching staff can put in for the first period. It's about the athletes turning it on. Yeah, and I use exactly what I was bringing up a moment ago, Darren. I use the word focus. You can talk about preparation, whatever it yeah. is. And one of the words I heard uh, Max Pacioretty use was react. In other words, the, the, they're, they're reacting to what the other team does. Whereas when we have seen the Golden Knights at their best, they are asserting their game. We are going to take it to you and you deal with it. You put Pedal to the floor. Let's see what you got, and that is how the Golden Knights. They should have scored have had eight success. goals in the second and third. Right, right. and that's that you know they 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 were creating chances, you know, but but it's again when you basically what the Kings did in scoring the four goals and and what has happened in a couple of games here is what the Knights typically historically have done to other teams. They score so much and so often early, the other team just loses its willpower, and it's very difficult to come back, especially when you're on the road. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and that is what uh, is concerning, that they have not maximized the early parts of games, especially at home, and just asserted control over the game. And again, Max's word was reacting too much rather than being proactive. And what you were saying, Darren, and it's interesting, you know, Gerard Gallant, I always think it's it's uh, it can be moderately entertaining to watch his press conferences after they lose, like they did last night. And look, you can tell he's pissed. Why wouldn't you be? But somebody asked him last night. I think it might have been Jesse Granger from the Athletic about um, you know guys being prepared and. Um, you know, a lot of the tone of the questioning went in that direction for obvious reasons. Like there was a string through the, the yeah. restroom and then to charge. He yeah. said, what do you, you want me to go in there with pom-poms? These guys are pros, mm -hmm. you know, and, and I think that's the bigger point. Like you're saying, like it's accountability individually yeah. to each guy. They're not going to start but, putting their skates on with their right foot no. instead of their left no. foot when they've done it all. <laughs> no. this, this is just about being prepared. And here's the other part of it. And he and Gerard Gallant touched on it again today. And there's nothing you can do about it. The homestand's too long, right? Mm -hmm. The homestand's too long. Seven games is too long. Now, the other issue is they're going to have eight in a row on the road. Yeah. I know it's four and four, four before the bye and then four yeah. after. But that being said, for one of the best home teams in the league for the first two years, and as you said, Dan, would steamroll teams at T-Mobile, get an early start, give the other team a reason to say the heck with this. Well, that's... You know, that's been missing. Now, the, the, the silver lining is they're still four and two on the homestand. That's, that's the, no matter how they got there. If you said five and win, two at the whatever end, it is, yeah, that's pretty good. And that part, I think, is important as much as we've been sitting here for eighteen minutes saying everything sucks. Are they, <laughs> but recency, recency bias. Are they, oh, it sure are, is. Yeah. Are, are they a contender? 
Yes, uh, I think so. Yes. They're, no, they're still a contender for sure. I think this team okay. has the ability right, to flip so a switch. They're a second. They're not a top tier contender. There you go. Yeah, I don't yeah. think. Yeah. Not right there's, now. There's four or five teams that you look at right now, maybe six. You know, Tampa, Toronto, Washington, Boston. You look at those four and go, okay, they all got a chance. Yeah. Well, when you looked at the uh, the odds, the numbers to win the Stanley Cup, going into, I think it was game three of the homestand, Vegas had the best odds to win the Stanley yeah. Cup. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, and that, 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 again, as you say, the recency bias, a couple of games. And, and I think it's also worth pointing out, it's not just that they've lost two games. It's the way in which yeah. they yeah. have lost the last two games that sets off a little bit of an alarm. And, I'm we're, from, and, we're, and we get, we're too close to it sometimes. I was just well, going right? to say that. And I mean, when you, when you watch the same team over and over again, sometimes the warts are all you see. I come yeah. from outside the bubble more recently than, than you guys who have been here from the start. I think there's an expectation of this team from the first year to the second year to now with the veterans and having the best team uh, that there's some real championship possibilities here. Well, the, the, and, the, 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 the organization has heightened those expectations right? by their answers. They traded Nick Suzuki. They traded Eric Brandstrom. They brought in Max Pacioretty and Mark Stone not to sniff around. But they brought those guys in because they want they want to win, they want to win a championship. But I think the reaction after the first period against LA, the the pressure and the nitpicking that we might be doing is a really good thing because it's responding to expectations of a yeah. championship. This is a veteran team. I still think that they're they're going to do their best to to win the division, but it's not the end of the world. They they will flip. They have the ability to flip a switch, and they're waiting to do. Let's that. throw one other factor in here. We have yet to mention. They have been without Jonathan Marcheseau yeah. for the last four games. Mm-hmm. Who, by the way, last year was the team's leading scorer and had one of the best months of his career in December. I was listening to the post game show last night, and you were having a conversation with your colleagues. Ryan and Frank, and they were discussing the, you know, how would the lineup change? And you said, well, Jonathan Marshall so hasn't played. And I thought to myself, if you made a deadline acquisition and the guy that you brought in and put into your lineup was Jonathan Marcheseau. Scored 30 goals in this league. What does that do to your team? And, and it got me thinking, you know, a, you know, we're used to Jonathan and what he does, and so sometimes you take it a little bit for granted. The other thing that he does do, that, and this is something that they've been missing early, he drags them into the fight. Yeah, sure energy. does. He is, uh, what did Gerard Gallant say today, an Energizer Bunny? I, yeah. I didn't. I, 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 Spark plug. Yeah, I missed that today. I was upstairs. We were doing Facebook Live, but. Um, it was a great show, by the way. Yes. Uh, oh, good. Two thirds. Dan and I good. weren't on it. <laughs> Best ever. <laughs> um, yeah. But and here's the other part of it, Gary. They had been without Jonathan Marchessault for a grand total of five games in franchise history. He missed games five, six, and seven with an injury year one, and then they sat him games eighty and eighty-one because yeah. they had already clinched the Pacific Division. He had played hundred and fifty-three <laughs> consecutive games regular season and playoffs until these four that he's missed. So that spark, that energy, the production, all of it is right there for Jonathan. Gerard Gallant made a decision this week when Eakin got healthy to move Stevenson. 
and he put, so Marshall came out, Egan came in, but it, normally he makes real subtle changes. Alex Tuck went up Alex to that Tuck line had the first couple. First, yeah. Uh-huh. But instead he decided I'm going to put Eakin here on the third line and I'm going to put Stansny back on the second line and I'm taking Stevenson out of that spot and put him up on the first line. And A, that's not what Calant normally does. He doesn't like to make that many swaps at once. And it's... Uh, I think they lost some of their rhythm. Yeah. Oh, no, no, and, and I've said it on the air a couple of times now, so I'm, I'm not <laughs> going to back away from it. I have filled out my scorecard with Chandler Stevenson as the second-line center, and I found somewhere else for Cody Eakin to go when he came back in the lineup, on maybe as the fourth-line center. But it, it is not only because Chandler himself has been so good since ending up on that spot. Uh, his first three games, well, first couple of games on the fourth line, then one game on the third line, and then 13 in a row, on that line with Patcheretti and Stone. Patcheretti and Stone each had 17 points in those 13 games, and you could say it was the most productive stretch for both Patcheretti and Stone. Now, why? I think, as we've talked about on several occasions, Stevenson's speed and his strength. He is the guy who is like a like a cue ball Gives going into the offensive drive. zone. He drives because he is the fastest guy on that line when he's there. When Stastny is there... Max Pacioretty becomes the fastest guy in the line. And then you're asking Max to do things that he is not doing if Chandler Stevenson is his line But that line was really good against Pittsburgh. Dominant. Stastny line. And and Stastny's line was good against L.A. again. Lots of shots. And and here's the thing. I'm not saying that it's not a good line. Mm. I'm saying that it hurts the overall composition Mm. of the four lines because then the other team is matching up and and so on. To me, it is a a more well-rounded, deeper lineup when you've got those, when you've got Pacioretty, Stone, and Stastny separated at even strength. On the power play, I mean... Holy cow, like, th- no doubt about it, Stastny's definitely the guy. Yeah. There's no, But again, when we're talking about the, the speed of Stevenson, the strength of Stevenson to draw attention and kind of put the other team on its heels, that is what allows Pacioretty and Stone to kind of put their attention on scoring goals rather than just gaining position or gaining control of the puck in the offensive zone. And, you know, again, Marcheseau's going to come back. Where Stevenson ends up, I'm not sure. Um, where Stastny ends up, I mean, Gerard Gallant, when we talk about not changing things, it's also a loyalty factor. Cody Eakin has been the third-line center for this team for the large majority of the time that he's been around and has been healthy. And uh, is it a demotion if you were to put him on the fourth line or put him on the wing? Uh, perhaps it could be perceived that way. Um, but they did it with Paul Stastny for a while. He was the second-line center for a long time was okay to put him as the third-line center. And while they didn't get as much production on the third line, uh, they were starting to, but it's been a revolving door. Alex Tuck has been it there, really Cody Glass, been. Carrier. Who, you know, it's been a revolving door there. So, um, I, I meanwhile, the fourth line had been great. Whoever was there, Carrier, Reeves, Nosek, Wath, uh, that has been good. So I, I was surprised that Stevenson uh, was taken off of that line with Patch Ready and Stone, and I've said my piece. I think you should text Turk right now. Yeah. Like, what are you thinking? <laughs> I, I, That'd be so awesome. I've actually liked him with Carlson and Smith. I in in watching those two, I think they're a tough duo for a third guy. And that speaks to the value of Jonathan Marcheseau. Yeah, because they're plug and play when the three of them are together. Right. right. And Carlson and, 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 Carlson and Smith have this chemistry, whether it's killing penalties or together. And whoever goes in there as the third guy, 
I think there's there's <coughs> challenges. You got to be really smart on top of your game, full of full of skill. Stevenson kind of checks all those boxes, and I, I'll I'll be interested to see if that group stays together. Marshall's not out uh, towards the end of this uh, homestand and then the road trip, but I just I think that that combination is a tough one, which again heightens the value of Marshall. And let me just throw one last thing on on the conversation. There's uh, we we brought up Patchetti's word, which was react to me when you have as many changes to your lineup and line mates as the Knights have had in the last couple of games. You're forcing especially certain players to do more reacting. In other words, Chandler Stevenson doesn't want to screw around with Marcia So and Smith because right. they've been playing together forever. So he's got to be a little bit more reactive. And that's probably how it was in his first couple of games with Patchetti and Stone. But figured it out. We saw the three on the three on one last night mm-hmm. where Smith passed it and Carlson lifts his stick to let right. it go. And, and Stevenson wasn't you ready. You know that Stevenson's saying thinking because well, Dave mentioned on the broadcast that everybody in the building thought Carlson was getting that puck because he's been off the, the score sheet for a while and Smith's going to get him going. Yeah. So it's just one of those. Right. Well, that, and that's it. That's it. That's, that's a great exactly example of what, what you, uh, mm-hmm. you were mentioning. The Sheriff Law, some guy named Day Podcast, coming to you from the Great D Hotel, the official downtown hotel, the Vegas Golden Knights, and the Andiamo Restaurant. Uh, no sheriff on this edition, Darren Millard, uh, stepping in. All right, guys, so... We've kind of flushed out the homestand, yeah. <laughs> which which still has a possibility of ten or fourteen points, two, depending yeah. on how it goes tomorrow night against Columbus. Max Pacioretty, congratulations! Never mm-hmm. been to the All Star game. He's going now, right on the last mm-hmm. man in vote, um, voted in by the fans here today. No, nope, so, no, uh, uh, well, substitution, no. injury oh, so, substitution. Yes, Silverberg, right. yeah, yeah. Silverberg out, so, and now we'll never know if he might have won the fan. That's vote. right. He's so now out of the equation. I was classifying it as he I was stuffing the ballot box. He has yeah, so right. many votes that they gave it to he him. Said, oh, yeah. they are in. <laughs> yeah. But he has had a fantastic, I mean, 20 goals for the seventh time in his career. Uh, you know, I guess you could make an argument who's been their most consistent player, Pacioretty, Stone, Riley Smith's up to 18 goals. He had yeah. all, 19 all the last mm-hmm. year, but... I know you've got some numbers, Dan, on Pacioretty, but he's been he's been fantastic. Yeah, well, you just talk about you know hitting twenty goals. Last year he ended up with twenty two. He played in only sixty six games, but he scored his twentieth goal in his fifty first game. So it's ahead of that pace. But only in three seasons did he hit twenty goals faster. Um, his career high thirty nine goals. He got his twentieth in game thirty eight. In other words. He's not quite at that pace for a career high in in goals, but he is at a terrific points-per-game rate. That's the impressive thing to me, because in that year, when he had those 39 goals, he had only 21 assists. This year, he's already got, what, 25 assists? Right? So, in other words, while the the goal scoring is at a really solid pace, again, he's the first goal tonight to hit 20 goals, he's ahead of uh, most of his career pace for hitting 20, but it's the assist numbers and therefore the overall points per game that show that as a well-rounded player, uh, he is, uh, I think that is the, the revelation that Max has put up as many assists as he has in addition to keeping up the goal production. He has more shots already this year than he had all the last season. On pace for a career high in shots. Yeah, yeah. and you know, he's not shy about shooting it, right? He had nine yeah. the other night against uh, St. Louis or Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. He had another... Bunch last night. Well, he had eight, eight after two night. periods yeah. last night. So he uh, um, he's going to shatter his shots. He's been over three hundred shots uh, twice in his career, and he's on pace to shatter that uh, that career total. So well deserved that he'll go to St. Louis. N- and never been an All Star. 
And why? Because he's had great totals before. He played in Montreal and he played with Carey Price. So if you need a goalie, Carey Price, all world. And you've got to share these spots uh, around the league. So Carey Price would go. And the other factor was P.K. Subban, uh, just a, an absolute uh, media uh, personality, Norris Trophy winner in the course of his career. So when you're battling against those two uh, areas, that's, that's what, it had nothing to do with Max not being worthy to be an all-star in the past, but you're kind of playing third fiddle behind a need for a goaltender and the 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 show that is was P.K. Subban. Shea Weber make it a few times, too? Am I right on that? With Montreal, With Montreal I don't know. I could whether, be wrong. Whether, I was just thinking out loud on that. Yeah, he's, I don't know whether Shea... Well, you're uh, right. It's kind of like Marc-Andre Fleury joking yeah. around, right? Yeah. So he's made it three years in a row, although he just, you know, he's decided not to go this year with Vegas. He'd only made it twice in all his years in Pittsburgh because Malkin was going and Crosby was yeah. going and Latang was going. There's you only, can't take... Uh, so unless you're spots, hosting right? the thing. Yeah. You only get max two... So Patrick no goes to the All Star game. Stone's been terrific, and and Riley Smith, I think. Yeah, if we're if we're gonna kind of, who have there been their three best? Who's the MVP forwards on the team this year? Early on, it was Mark. <coughs> yeah. Stone's had a couple of good runs. Riley Smith had an amazing yeah. first twenty. Yeah, I. I mean, I would go back Max. Yeah, I, I, I think so. Probably. It's it's hard to imagine. It, and it's, of course, the production, but it's also the threat of production. Mm-hmm. And his resume, it, he's not, with no disrespect to Will Carlson, he came out of nowhere to do what he did a couple of years ago. Max Pacioretty, everybody's gunning for him. They know mm-hmm. who he is, and he's having this kind of a season. So, I, I yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I'd probably I'd probably say Max. And, you know, he'd also brought up, you know, that, that first shift, first period. I got to get a shot. I got to get a hit. You know, it's not just a sniper who's out there waiting for a great scoring chance. He's doing other things away from the puck that I think really round him into an MVP. I think Stone's pulled him along in his overall yeah, game. I, yeah, no, I, I, I totally agree. And that's mm. and that it's all it seems contagious. Right. You know how they're they're sort of well, challenging become, each other. They've become an impressive duo. Yeah. I think that uh, I did the stat a couple of games ago. They had climbed into uh, the top ten in the league in terms of uh, do. Uh, Players that play together, duos in scoring in the NHL, they were in the top 10. Yeah, for sure. Um, who's your MVP, Law, man? Are you in the patch already? Boat? No, I'm with Mark Stone. The Stone Boat. Yeah, okay. and his 200-foot game is... Uh, penalty killing. Uh, penalty killing. He just does a lot of things for me, and uh, um, I think that he... Uh, you know, Max is a more of a trigger man, and Mark is... Uh, Mark does more to make to make Max's game go, I think, than vice versa. But uh, uh, the most consistent player on the team has been Max Pacioretty for me. Yeah, he's been he's been fantastic all year long. Yep, uh, and, and Pacioretty, that's with a two goal October where yeah. shooting percentage was three and a half. Yeah. yeah, he's got ten goals in his last fifteen games. Yeah, yeah, shooting percentage is up to ten percent. Well, at least going into last night's game, which is is good, but it's it's uh, his. Career, career high is, is 11, right? Well, his career average is 11. 11. Career yeah. high is 14-something. 14. Oh, wow. huh. I've got it right here. 14. Um, well, it's on the other side of the piece of paper. 14.4. Back when he scored those 39 goals yeah. in the 2013-14 season. Hey, let's here, take... Oh, he's go ahead. Young. He, no, I was just going to say, he's young to be able to read that off. I can't read. It's unbelievable. <laughs> because I, I could have that three inches from my face, yeah. and I couldn't read that. The other age. sheet that Dan does up, this works great on the on the on the audio podcast, yeah. which you can't see anything. Is um, 
I wouldn't be able to, like, if you had the best the magnifying roster? glass on earth, that thing is just, yeah. I, how does one read that? Magnifying glass. No. Um, <laughs> Telescope. You know, kind of, you know, uh, trying to, like, you know, stick just your nose in it a little bit. Yeah. You can oh. see. Yeah, well, I, I've got to know that uh, Max Pacioretty was born on the 20th of That's November, right. 1988, in New <laughs> Canaan, Connecticut. Uh... And I can go on and on and on and on with all the... Li- Otherwise, uh, you know, if I didn't have all the stuff on here, how, how would I know what to Get talk about? Get into your early 40s like me, you won't be able to read anything. <laughs> <laughs> Ish. <laughs> oh, well. Um, so let's um, take a peek ahead to tomorrow night, right? So Gerard Gallant was asked an interesting question today by our Mike McKenna. If... The Columbus Blue Jackets, who the Golden Knights wrap up the homestand against tomorrow, remind him at all of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Meaning, the Penguins, with all these people that have been out of their lineup, you know, all year long, Crosby, they just lost Gensel, Malkin's missed a bunch, Rust has missed a bunch. You can go right on down the line. Dumoulin, maybe their most dependable all-around defenseman, has been out long-term. And they've still managed to be among the upper echelon teams in the NHL. Columbus Blue Jackets have seven regulars, by my count, maybe eight, uh, seven, out of their lineup. Atkinson, Dubinsky, Anderson, Bjorkstrand, Texier, Murray, and their number one goalie in Jonas Corpusal. I believe I saw that press conference. Yes. They have two (laughs) losses in regulation in their last 16 games. The second of those two was last night in San Jose. Point being, you know, we can talk about the Golden Knights, and they've had, okay, well, Eakins missed a lot of time, and Marcia So has missed a few games now, and Glass has missed the last couple. There are incredible examples among other teams around the league that have a laundry list of injuries to key people that have still found a way to get stuff done. And Gerard Gallant agree with that today, and, and that's what they're going to be up against here tomorrow night against Columbus. I think when you have situations where you have multiple injuries and a handful of people up from your American Hockey League team, that speaks to those players are in the NHL and they want to stay there. So their level of work, there's no pacing going on there. They're not saving something for down the road, which 82 games is a fact of life. When you have a handful of guys all going a hundred percent, every single shift, it can get you through a stretch I think that's happened with Pittsburgh, and I certainly think that's happened with uh, with Columbus. Working hard is really bridges that gap it, when it, when it's so tight. Interesting that Gerard Gallant was asked the question before the Penguins game. We had our little meeting with him in the morning, and to the point of all these key guys that have been out of the Penguins lineup, how were they able to do it? And he referred to it as the culture of winning. This is how we play. This is the expectation. This is the bar and where it's set. And to your point, Mallard, like whether you're coming up from, you know, if you're coming up from the AHL, this is what's expected. You know, this yep. is how we're we're going to play, whether we've got Crosby in the lineup or not, whether we have our number one goalie in the lineup or not, this is how we're going to play. And, and, you know, I'll go back to Pittsburgh just because you look at the decade, the last decade they've had, or even the last half dozen years, it's been that's what it's been. They, this is how they're going to play every night. And for the young guys, when they come up, they are familiar with the team leadership based on training camp and the example that those veteran guys set. And so whether it's Sidney Crosby in Pittsburgh, Nick Felino in Columbus, you just get a feeling that, you know, I mean, Nick Felino is, is I'm a not, massive fan of Nick Felino. Me too. Yeah. Just the way he conducts himself. I mean, he's not a top line player, but 
could you possibly be a teammate of his and not have no. uber respect for that no. guy? And and that, to me, has got to set a huge example for those young guys, whether it's a young guy getting called up, but even a veteran guy who hasn't been in the NHL in a while, like Nate Gerby, who is five foot four. You know, yeah. BC, Boston College, had a great college career. But, you know, he has found himself back on the team because of all the injuries there in Columbus. And, like, those are the guys that you want, the guys that are going to work their tail off. Plus, they, the coach is pretty uh, intense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, yeah no, I wasn't that's psyched sure. with how the shootout ended and how their number one goal <laughs> no, no, at all um, recently. No. So, yeah, they won in L.A. and in Anaheim, lost in San Jose last night. They wrap up the homestand tomorrow against the Golden Knights. One quick housekeeping item before we get to the mailbag, Dan. So we talked in our last podcast about we're going to give away an autographed Jonathan Marcheseau jersey. So we encourage you to go on, rate, review, subscribe, go on to the iTunes, whatever situation you use to listen to the SLGND podcast. But um, we we have a winner uh, do we have a winner? We've, we've, we, we... I, I think I, I don't know that they've picked it yet. Okay, but so we're still encouraging. I think we're reviews? yes. I think that the Preferably next episode, favorable. right? Reviews. We want favorable reviews. I think that we will announce the winner on the next episode. Okay, and if, it's and uh, if you yeah. if part of this review is you don't like Darren being part of it, that's fine. <laughs> But don't, don't judge it on this podcast. <laughs> no, please, yeah. that's not a problem. So we're announcing the winner then, on the next, which episode. will be from the road. There's been talk about doing one from Montreal. So mm, yes, we have a road in English though. In, in English, English. Yeah. maybe we'll do it in both. But uh, <laughs> I'll just do it in English because I can't speak French. But anyway, so the next podcast we're going to announce the winner of the Jonathan Marcheseau jersey. So we encourage yeah. you to continue to send in what a cool your, prize, uh, yeah. your reviews, yes, yeah. autographed jersey from Jonathan Marcheseau. All right, Dan, you've got some uh, mailbag situations lined up. The mailbag brought to you by the Findlay Auto Group. Great people at Lincoln, Jag, Acura. And Chevy, what do you got dialed up? Yeah, this week? we've got a lot of great questions. Uh, a lot of them deal with things that we've already discussed. So I'm going to kind of gloss over some of the really good questions that were posed. Uh, let's start with one that's uh, totally outside uh, the realm of hockey, and this is a broadcast question. And this comes from Rich Johnson, who asks, "Why is Shane inside the glass or between the benches in some games, but in the booth with Dave in others? What goes into the decision of where he, gets, he does the broadcast from? He gets from? sick of Dave. I get tired of Shane. <laughs> oh, there it is. One, one or the other. Shane's not here to defend himself. Um, so it's easy to throw darts at him. Um, a lot of it, my understanding is it's it's reciprocal, right? If, if, if we do it in um, Arizona for the sake of argument, they can do it here. St. Louis works, you know, it's a two-way street. So I think that's, and I also think, um, you know, those seats are sold at T-Mobile for a lot of games. For the games yeah. that Shane's not, that Shane and or, for instance, the other day when the Blues were in, Darren Pang, the Blues TV analyst, he and Shane were both in there. So I think that's kind of how it works. It's, all right, um, what cities are we able to do that? Yeah. And then, okay, we can reciprocate. Well, let me follow up from my own curiosity, Dave. How is it different for you to have your analyst, Shane, sit next to you versus having him a few hundred feet away? I like it so much better when he's downstairs. <laughs> I spread out, feet up. That was evident by yeah. I, I'm privy to the rehearsals that go on before we go oh, on because when great. we run through things. And hearing the rehearsal last night uh, with Shane back in the booth, there were some, uh, some issues about space yeah. violations. He was complaining. Oh, no. yeah. Didn't have enough room. Yeah. You know, and he's a—he's not a little guy. No, he's, he's not. He's got to spread out. And he, but I will tell in all seriousness, I, it's just my own. I prefer when he's in the booth because I think when he is between the benches, and, and look, you get an entirely different feel. That's why he's down there and others are down there. 
but there's a certain sign language, if you will, sometimes you oh, can yeah. use in the booth where he's down there. What about give him a wave? You know, yeah. when we're across <laughs> yeah. from in front of the Bud Light. You guys Lounge. do a good job with it. You really, really good yeah. job because I agree with it. It's, yeah, it's, it, it, it um, would be hard. Yeah, and I and I think and I I know I'll speak for Shane just because I know he has said this to me. Where we are now in our great perch, and no, uh, unfortunately, the, you guys are still up in Reno for the radio show. <laughs> but where we are, <laughs> where we are. Got binoculars. Though. Yes, we're, and obviously great eyesight with with your uh, oh, with your, your small font on your chart. Um, I think where we are now, he he loves being there too because we're right. You're so close to the ice yeah. and mm-hmm. right in the middle of it, and it changed popular. People come over, selfies, autographs, and a lot of well wishers want to yeah. say hi to Shane. So anyway. there, that does happen. I hear, <laughs> I hear it. I hear it. Like, like okay, see you later. Like the, uh, people he doesn't yeah. even know. He just, yeah. hey, how are you? Good yeah. to see you. There you go. Well, a lot of people actually do ask, uh, how can we come say hi to you guys at a game? And it's not easy to get there. I mean, I can't even get there. No, so. we don't just let anybody in no, there, obviously. No. So, uh, this is uh, something that Gary's been talking about recently. And Gary, you can take uh, this topic in any direction you like. But Barry asks, with about 25% of the games going to overtime, how about the Golden Knights practicing three on three especially you know getting a grasp of things offensively defensively and i'm also curious about overtime you know we saw a great overtime the other day question no this is actually barry the three-part series on lawless and order last night on overtime okay so first of all three on three for the golden knights i would talk about deploy deployment first of Mm -hmm. all because i would use uh and you know listen jared glance (laughs) an excellent coach so i'm not gonna uh i'm not gonna Take umbrage with how he does it, but if I was doing it, um, I would use William Smith and Eric Carl and uh, no William, relation William, to Riley William, Carlson. William, <laughs> I threw him off. I was waving my hands around. Riley exactly. Smith, William Carlson, William Carlson, and Riley Smith. Like they're so good in in four on PK. five situations. So I'd use them, Shea Theodore, whoever sure. Nate mm-hmm. Schmidt. But then I would my next the next guys over the boards for me would be. Alex Tuck and Chandler Stevenson. Yeah. I really like the way he plays in those situations. And then... Guess and who I, was on the ice for the last overtime yeah. game winner. But then I wouldn't flip that like right away. I wouldn't go automatically back to the top of the batting order because other teams, they shorten their bench. You've got more offensive guys. Maybe then... I would go with a mixture of Stone and somebody else, you know, Pacioretty or or whatever. But I would have some speed early on for sure. Uh, and then in, in terms of we we could get you know there's this is a rabbit hole. Um, I think that three on three overtime and the shootout it's not broke. Like it's a great way to solve games. I prefer seeing more games decided in three on three rather than the shootout. Would I add two minutes of three on three? Probably. Make you know it seven I mean? minutes Get instead it to of seven five. Instead of five. That would mean if you're only using, you know, six of your players, it would mean, you know, maybe an extra shift the guy. I don't think I don't think over a season that's gonna really, you know, wear guys out that that much. Um, and they're not all gonna go to the full seven minutes. Lots of them end early. So uh that's that's probably what I would do. Yeah, and, and just the numbers of you know, it used to be four on four in overtime and then they made a three-on-three, three yeah. and they got a lot more games to get completed in OT yeah. and avoid going to the shootout. 65% yeah. now, decided in the overtime? Yeah. 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 
Yeah. Now we got well, lots, lots more questions here, but I, I think we're running out of time. I think we are running out. So of time. Uh, we yeah. appreciate all the questions. We encourage you to, to tweet us for the next episode at uh, hashtag SLGND. And again, could be a road edition. Yeah. Always, no, that's the always plan. a good time in yeah. two languages on the road. All right. Well, let's do it from Montreal with the uh, against a couple of uh, Lauren Teed on the desk. Okay. Was that? Is it Lauren Tide? It's a beer. Oh, okay. It's a uh, French beer. I I would like a beverage during the. It would make the podcast much more entertaining. First time I had a Caesar was in Montreal. Oh, really? Really? Excellent. I didn't know what it was. Beer and juice. Did you like it? Oh, I loved it. Oh yeah. Yeah. What's the famous smoked meat? Uh, place. Well, there's a bunch. Schwartz's is a big one. Oh, yeah, in Montreal. There you yeah. go. Well, you can go there. You like your, your delis and your pastries, Dan. Tell me about it. But go there. I will be going to the North End when we arrive in Montreal. Oh, we yeah, actually, I've been there before. A, we have a dinner. We have a night off in Montreal. Yes. Last mm. year, we went when we were in Montreal, we had uh, Shane Knighty's birthday. Oh, We went yes. to yes. Park, which was oh, an excellent sushi, sushi restaurant. Fantastic. One of the best dining yeah. experiences we've had in two and a half years. Uh, and, really he, some people... Uh, I picked the place, and uh, there was some grumbling about the bill because it was not cheap. No, no, but it was good. It, it was great. <laughs> Shane didn't care; he wasn't paying. It was <laughs> no, yeah. no, birthday. No, no. Exactly. What a win for Shane! Yeah, yeah. way to go. This year, where were we for his birthday? Detroit. We were in Detroit this year for his birthday. Is that right? No, where, where, no. I don't know. It was on I, that road yeah, trip, Washington, yeah, yeah. Toronto. Columbus, it was in Washington. You saw his birthday. Oh, in Washington. that's right. I took him out because I wasn't uh, feeling well and I got that's worked. Right. Yeah, that's right. I couldn't yeah. make the sniffles yeah. and couldn't yeah. make it. And yeah. yeah, we went to the old Ebbett Grill. Yeah. Oh, old Ebbett Grill, classic. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's right. right. Well, we, we need to do a full podcast mm. on places that we like to go and hang out when we're on the road. That'd be great. I would listen to that. Yeah, for sure. We wouldn't be hard to find. We tend to gravitate before we go. Before we go, the great drummer and lyricist for the band Rush. Neil Pert uh, has passed away. Uh, they, the band announced that today. And uh, did you have a rush phase, Dan? I, I, I'm still stuck in my it's, Bruce Springsteen phase, yes, no which has Life come since conception. Yeah, my I don't. You, you don't have time for another. Well, you do. You have time for another phase. The rest yeah, of us there don't. You go. <laughs> I didn't even know Neil Pert was ill. To be honest with you, I don't think that was very well known. 67, 67, 67 okay. young yeah. man. Yeah, well, I just think we lost uh, Gord Downey and Neil, and Neil Pert. To oh. brain cancer, two mm. of uh, the two Canadian rock icons. The big concert hall in the sky now. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, now, thanks for stopping by. We'll sorry. let you know when we need you next time. Yeah, sorry for being late or not. Sorry for the distraction. Yeah, whatever works for you. What time? Just sorry. Yeah, just what sorry. Time you be here. It seems wonderful. Uh, so for uh, the absent sheriff Shane Nutty, he'll be at the next one. We hope in Montreal. He makes the road well, trip. He better be. <laughs> yeah, he shows up for the road trip. Yeah, he'll be in Montreal for sure. That'll do it for this edition of the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. We'll talk to you next time.